In the 70s, there was a Chabad rabbi. His name was Ichemeir Lifshitz. He lived in Okpak, Michigan. His job was to go three times a week to Ann Arbor, to the University of Michigan, to visit there. He used to take out his folding table in the middle of their campus, offer people to put on film, offer boys, girls to light candles, three times a week, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the evening. In the evening, he couldn't stand the whole day under by the desk. He used to fold his table and take his car and drive around slowly, like to see maybe he can say, recognize a Jewish face. Mm-hmm. One day, he made a turn that you usually didn't even see there is a street there. Makes a turn in the campus. Somebody hears a voice. Hi, Rabbi, would you mind to teach us a Hasidic song? He was so shocked. He stops the car, goes out. There's five guys are sitting there on the edge of the, of, the, of the house or something outside. He says, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind, but let's uh, get together. He tells them, you know, Hasidic song, you cannot, you just, I cannot give it to you. It's like, like a, um, you can press on a button and it comes out. We have to get to sit together, we have to make up for bringing. Somebody has a lechaim, some to say, is, uh, you have some whiskey or something? One of the guys tells them, tequila would work. He says, what's tequila? Is it alcohol? The guy, the guy whose name was Neil Cooper started laughing. He said, yes, it says alcohol. They came into the house, they sit around the table. Neil turns to him, Rabbi, can you teach us a song? A nigan, it's called a Hasidic nigan. He tells him, you know, listen, it doesn't work like this. I'll tell you what the Fabringen is. Fabringen is, we say Lechaim. Then, then we, then we, we sit and talk a little bit about Judaism. We open the house. People share their feelings, their experiences. And when the atmosphere warms up, then we sing a Hasidic song. They sat down, they said Lechaim, they talked, they had some basic Jewish conversations. After an hour, the rabbi turns to them, he says, I'm ready. He started to sing to them a Hasidic melody. It's called the Dokshitz Ernigen, from Dokshitz. Dokshitz is a city in Poland, they were Hasidim there since the, since the Alter Rebbe, since the first Chabad Rebbe. And, uh, and, uh, and the, he, told, he told them, and he was singing the song. By the time, it was a happy, it's a happy tune. By the time they were, if, if, by the end of the song, they were already dancing around the temple and, and, uh, and clapping and, and jumping. It was great. And they finished the sing, they relaxed. Neil Cooper turns to him and says, Rabbi, another song? He tells him, what do you think of an entertainer here? I'm a rabbi. It doesn't, first of all, you have to help me to sing this song. And you, I'll teach you the song. Not just I should sing for you and you should just applaud me. I'll teach you the song and then we'll talk. He started to teach him the song, piece by piece, line by line, so to speak, until they all knew the song well. He finished, it's already two hours. He says, about to get home. He said, to get up. He says, Neil doesn't give up. Another song, he says, you know what, here is the deal. I'll come next week to the same place and same time. If you know the song, I'll teach you another song. He left. Next week he shows up. The five guys are the same five guys. They, when he walks in, they meet him with a the song. 
they do the song by art. I told them, no, you earned another song. It was another Fabwing and the Chaim, they talk, they Fabwing, that was great. It was going on for three or four weeks. Right. Then it was the midterm, and they was tests, vacations. They never, this group never convinced convinc- again. And he never saw them again, basically. Years passed. He moved this Ichemer Lifshitz, I know him. He moved for, he's a rabbi, he's already in his 70s. He moved from one, he was in Alabama, I think he was a rabbi in Alabama later. And he was there, he was, once he walks into a, one of his uh, congregants' house, one of his people that he knew, and the guy asked him, out of nowhere, it was years later, Rabbi, maybe you teach me a Hasidic song. He remembered the question in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yep. He had already a song on his mind. He says, yeah, he started to sing. He starts to sing the song. Suddenly, years a girl singing the same song. The daughter of the of the of of the of the person in the family, of the of the of the man in the house. His daughter is singing it. Abby was her name. His name was Tetchlonik. In any case, Abby is singing it. She's singing. He finished singing. Abby runs to him. Rabbi, how you know the song? He starts laughing. He says. I, that's my question that I want to ask you. How you know the song? She tells him, you know, I go to Camp Palma in Canada. It's a conservative camp. And one of the Saturdays afternoon, we were bored. And one of the counselors says, I will teach you a Hasidic song. And he didn't leave us alone until all of us knew the song by heart. She knows the song. He asked her, maybe you know the name of the counselor? Neil Cooper. He couldn't believe it. He was so excited to hear that the song that he was teaching, and he never saw this guy again. He's teaching all these girls and boys in the Camp Rama a Hasidic song. He comes home, he tells his wife the story. They were very, you know, because many times you don't see you, the fruit of your work. Right. And to hear years later, to get such, a, such regards, it's it's really very fulfilling, you know. Many times I go, I talk to people. You don't see it like you think you're trading trading water. I mean, four years passed. That was in the seventies. After four years, they told the story in his wife many times because it's a very, it's a story to that encourages many other young rabbis. You know, you go around, you go, you talk to people. Nobody wants to look at you. So you don't worry. It's it, it an effect. He come, he, after four years, his wife tells him, we need to find Neil Cooper. I need to know what he's doing. We need to meet him. They go on the internet, they find his email. He sends him an email. So he tells him the story, you remember? Eh? Neil Cooper writes him, if you're the rabbi who taught me the song, I remember the song, I remember you, and I remember many things, bad conversations. I'll be very happy if you come to visit me. Where he lives, in Winwood, Pennsylvania. Winwood? Winwood? Winwood, yeah, near Philadelphia. I say it? Winwood. Winwood. In Philadelphia. Yes, in Philadelphia. They went to visit him. They came to his office. He's a rabbi of a big conservative congregation with 700 families. Comes to his office, they talk. Then he tells them, Rabbi, I'll take you for a tour. In the campus, there is a kosher mikveh, 100% kosher mikveh. Then he goes and he tells him, oh, you know, next week you're going to have a barbecue competition. Kosher barbecue competition, the food is kosher, the dishes are new, everything is kosher. 
Then he goes around, he says, they said, this wing of the campus, I turned it into a day school. I wanted the kids to go to day school, not to, not to public school. They should learn Judaism. He, he spent hours there. Before he leaves, he's staying outside. He turns, he looks, he points on the campus, he tells him, Rabbi, all of this is because of you. That was unbelievable. He tells him, because of me, I didn't do anything. That's because, you remember the conversations that we had? It clicked. And this, and everything that he did was because, is it because of him. That's an unbelievable power of one little things that you do. And I just looked on the internet, Neil Cooper, the rabbi, just, re, just retired. They asked him, why retire? He says, it's time. Then, I did what you just do, you do. I, I, yesterday I checked him. I saw Neil Cooper, I saw his picture, and he says he's retiring from the synagogue. I don't know if he retired already, he didn't retire. Sukkot, in general, holidays, it's written, it's a mitzvah to rejoice. For example, it's a mitzvah to, how you rejoice. Children, you give them candies. You buy your wife some jewelry. Don't tell your wife I said that. And, uh, and for men, it's eating meat and drinking wine. More wine in today's... But when you look in the, in, the, in the Bible, in the Torah, the word simcha, rejoicing, is not written by Pesach, by the holiday of Pesach. Mm-hmm. The law is done by every holiday. But when you look inside in the text, Pesach is not mentioned the word rejoicing. Shavuos, it's mentioned rejoice, the word simcha once, rejoicing. Sukkot, three times. And the question is, the Medrash is asking a question, why not Pesach, not anything? Why you don't divide it equally? One time by Pesach, one time by Shavuot, one time by Sukkot. Here nothing, here once and here three times. What is this? That the Medrash gives a very interesting agricultural explanation. You know, the, the holidays in the Bible are connected to the calendar of the year. Because in, when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel, they were all uh, farmers. Everyone had a farm. Pesach is just the beginning of the harvest. Mm-hmm. What, 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 the only thing that's ready is the, is the barley. Mm-hmm. You start to harvest the barley, right? That's the word. To cut the, the barley. You take the barley, and you, then you, you're just starting to see, you don't know yet how is the year going. How are you going to find your, your orchards and your produce if it's going to be successful or not? Then the farmer is very stressed, still stressed. It's not a time for him for celebration. He's not happy yet. Shavuos, it's already a little better. It's called Chaka Katsir, the time of the harvest. See, Shavuos is called the, uh, uh, Pesach is called uh, the Aviv, the holiday of, of, the, of, the, of the spring. Shavuos, it's already, you're harvesting the wheat and other things. You're already seeing, you're already in the middle of the business. You're already seeing things are going the right direction. Sukkot is called Chagasiv, the time that you're collecting everything and you're storing everything in the storehouses, all your produce. By this time, you're relaxed. Everything is in the produce, everything is in the bank. You're set for the winter, you can really celebrate. Mm-hmm. That's why Pesach, it's not written celebration, joy. Shavuot, it's written once because you're already on the path of rejoicing. Sukkot, you really can rejoice. It's the highest level of joy. Mm-hmm. What the Rebbe said, there must be a spiritual explanation for it. Because I mean, you are not uh, farmers now, right? And I'm living in Cleveland, not in uh, Israel. And what does this mean? It means to say, Pesach, the Jewish people, there was the birth of the Jewish people. The first Pesach. Mm-hmm. 
God took us out from Egypt. We were not ready. We didn't do anything really. We were almost completely assimilated. The Talmud says if he would wait, God would wait another minute, would be nobody to take out. It would be too late. Then he took us out from Egypt. Then it was a big miracle, but it wasn't our miracle. Mm-hmm. We didn't own it. Right. Then what was the reason to celebrate? You didn't accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. You take you get a big inheritance from your parents. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I'm so this. You didn't do anything. Right. Shvues, the Jewish people lived up, they received the Torah, they said to God, Na seven Ishma, we will do him, we will listen, we will do everything. They made a commitment. You you already we already gained something, some we already achieved something, but we just made commitments. We are not sure if we're actually going to do it. And guess what? Forty days later was a golden calf. Wasn't wasn't so beautiful. But the golden calf gave birth to the repentance movement, to the tshuva movement, mm-hmm. to the returning. What happened after the golden calf? The Jewish people came back to God and lived on their mistakes, lived and, and turned around and came back to a point that Yom Kippur was created. And God had forgiven the Jewish people the first time right after the golden calf. Mm-hmm. After Yom Kippur, after we showed, we proved the test of time then we actually we commit, we made a commitment and we failed and we made a mistake and we fixed our mistakes and we came back even to a higher level than before, then it's a time to rejoice. Mm-hmm. That's why Sukkot is the real time for rejoicing. And that's the time. And that shows you also in the story of the song. It's, it's not only... It's not, it's in it, this guy, you teach him, you teach him a song, a student, you don't know what will happen. Four years later, it's to the test of time. This song, this one little forbringing a few times gave food, be, built food, the, the best food you can, you can ever imagine. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about.